Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 11 of season 6, my US road trip part 2. In this season I kick things off with two weeks in New Orleans. There I head to a couple of competitions and spend some time hanging out with the who's who of Southern Barbecue. From there it's up to Kansas City for four days of Barbecue Nirvana at the National Barbecue and Grilling Association's Annual Conference and Excellence Awards. The final two weeks of the journey see us head into Arkansas for some R&R, including bass fishing, monster trucks, a state cook-off association competition, an AK-47, and a brush with a tornado. And of course, you're coming with me. While I was at the MBBQA conference, there was one name that seemed to get called out more than any other at the Excellence Awards, and that was Veterans Q. So naturally, founder Steve was one of the people I had to grab for a deep dive episode of the podcast. A veteran himself, Steve has founded a barbecue business whose sole purpose is to support his fellow veterans, a group of people in our community who do so much for us and often receive very little in return. But I can't tell you much more about that without giving too much away. With summer coming up, it's time for a new favorite barbecue t-shirt and I've got just the thing for you. Drawing inspiration from the iconic barbecue pop culture art by Gil Elvgren, the Hail Mary tee is black like all good barbecue shirts should be, comes in both men's and women's cuts in a variety of sizes, and of course, features Mary. She likes her barbecue smoky, spicy, and just a little bit naughty. Check her out now at smokinghotconfessions.com shop. I'd also like to invite you to join us at the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook. If you're looking for a barbecue group full of open-minded people who just love to help each other out, the Smoking Hot Confessions community is a great place to continue the conversation. Finally, however you listen to this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. It really helps me spread that barbecue love. So without further ado, grab yourself a sweet sticky chicken lollipop and some malt liquor and join me as I learn about life behind the lines of a successful community-focused barbecue business. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? If there's one name that's synonymous with the Aussie outdoors, it's gotta be Ozpig. The Ozpig is a fire pit, a stove, a grill, a barbecue, and with the latest attachments, it's a smoker now too. And with the seemingly endless array of accessories, including a rotisserie, there is almost no limits to what you can do with an Ozpig. A family-owned and run business, the Ozpig was designed for one purpose, for families to be able to enjoy divine food while enjoying the great outdoors together. With a solid compact design weighing just 17 kilos and packing into its own carry case, the Ozpig is the perfect companion for your next camping, fishing or caravan trip or even just enjoying a slice of the Aussie lifestyle in your own backyard. To get an Ozpig of your very own, check out ozpig.com.au. That's ozpig.com.au. Alrighty, Steve, I want to kick things off by saying welcome to the show and thanks for joining me in the confessional today. I know you've got a great story and I'm really glad that you're letting me be a part of sharing it with the world. Cool. Thanks for having me. Anytime, mate. Anytime. So 
what was the last thing that you barbecued? The last thing I barbecued actually was um, some tri-tip. I just did tri-tip on Monday for uh, Memorial Day here in America. Right, yeah, Memorial Day. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in, in just a minute. I've just been talking to some people about tri-tip just in the last couple of days, some Australians here, and they've, uh, they've run into a bit of trouble with it because it's not a common cut over here. Could you, could you run us through how you like to do a tri-tip? Yeah, actually, with the tri-tip, to me, I'm, I'm pretty new to it. I actually just ran upon it about six to eight months ago, and uh, I keep hearing about it. And uh, where I'm at in uh, Chicago, tri-tip is not very easily accessible compared to other places in America, especially like California. So when I ran across it, I had to pick it up and try it. Um, so how I smoke my tri-tip is I throw it on the smoker at 275 or 275 degrees. I don't know what that is in Celsius. That's all right. That's all right. We can talk Fahrenheit. <laughs> all right. Then uh, I cook it for about 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Um and then uh, I start probing it and seeing where I'm at. And I like to go ahead and pull it at 130, 135. And then uh, after I'm at one, 135 degrees on the internal, I do a quick stare about two minutes over the right on top of the coals for being about two minutes on each side and let it rest about 15, 20 minutes and then just cut it thin and uh, eat it either on a sandwich or eat it just straight up. Oh, man, that sounds so good. Yeah, it's very, very, very easy. I like uh, I like it. It tastes so good. Since I've been doing tri-tip, very rare. I have only think I've had maybe one steak since then. So uh, one tri-tip is a, a good price for us, and uh, it feeds my whole family. So it's a, it's a great staple in our household now. Yeah, that's a win, mate. No doubt about it. Definitely. So what barbecue do you cook on at home? I, uh, I have a few different uh, cookers, but my main cooker is actually a pit barrel cooker. So I, uh, that actually was my very first barbecue uh, pit that I bought, and uh, I cook on it on a regular basis all the time. So I like to, I like to be real easy, simple, uh, and I love that charcoal flavor. Yeah, you can't really go wrong with that, can you? No, definitely not. It's something you kind of grow up with and I always have a nice taste. I, I like the taste of charcoal with a little bit of wood personally myself. Yeah. 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 So did you do that? Um, that you said that that tri-tip was part of your Memorial day celebrations. Was that correct? Yes. Correct. Yep. We have a, so on Memorial day, we're a, I have a veteran owned company and we do a lot of stuff for veterans and uh, Memorial day here is, um, remembering all the all the soldiers and you know sailors and whatnot who uh, who died in battle. So um, we do a uh, in my town we have a parade on Memorial Day. So we go out to the parade and we march in it, representing uh, Veterans Q. And then afterwards, um, everyone who was in the parade with us come back to my house and we barbecue and hang out and for a few hours and just uh, enjoy the day. That sounds amazing. So good. Yeah, definitely. It's a good time. And plus, you know, it's a, it's a kickoff to, you know, to our summertime. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, you know, summer's arrived when you when you start smelling the grills around Memorial Day. Definitely. <laughs> so I first met you at the NBBQA conference over in Kansas City, and man, you absolutely cleaned house in the awards. <laughs> Can you give us a rundown on 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 all the various prizes that you won? Yeah, it was a it was a big shock actually in Kansas City. So we. Uh, we knew that we got an award for an email that we had. So we decided that we had, uh, I had to go ahead and make the trip to Kansas city. It was only about a, a seven hour trip or so for me. So, um, yeah, when we got there, I figured, uh, maybe, maybe we would, uh, get maybe a one award or something like that. But, um, we ended up getting sixth place, um, for our sweet heat barbecue sauce in the, uh, the, actually in our mild category last year, our sweet heat, which is a, a spicier sauce actually won first place in our, in the spicy category. But, um, this year we took sixth place in the, uh, the mild category and, uh, we didn't even place it all in the spicy, which is kind of different. Wow. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so it's a little different than, um, our original barbecue sauce, which, which started off, we got third place in our mild, uh, the mild sauce category. So we took sixth place and third place for both of our sauces in the mild category, which was uh, pretty cool. Then um, what actually started killing it was uh, we just came out with a, um, our seasonings last year. So we had the opportunity of turning in our, our rubs for the first time. And our chicken and pork rub um, is really what kind of cleaned house we took sixth place for our chicken and pork rub in the seafood category. We took uh, third place in the pork rub category and second place in the poultry category for our chicken and pork rub. That's what we did at the uh, NBBQA this year. Like I said, last year we did, we got first place in our spicy barbecue sauce called Sweet Heat. And then Throughout the year, we also compete in other, you know, competitions for um, our barbecue sauces and rubs, and we do pretty well there too. So we've been first place in our beef rub from the uh, National Barbecue News, and uh, our barbecue sauce always does pretty well too. Always like you know fourth place or you know seventh place. We always get top ten finishes, which is actually pretty, pretty cool, pretty cool for us being a, a small nobody. Uh, barbecue guys who are brand new to the whole uh, barbecue game. It's very impressive, man. Really, really top stuff. I didn't actually realize that that one rub won three prizes across three different categories. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It was actually, uh, yeah, it was just crazy. It was pretty, it was mind-boggling. It was something I never expected at all. So everything was, it was nuts. It was pretty nuts. It was really cool. I can't really explain it. It was just something very shocking and it was it was awesome there was a time there during the award ceremony where you would barely sit down and they'd be calling out your name again <laughs> yeah. yeah it was exactly i think uh during the whole award ceremony by the time i you know got your you know you get called up and you go and then take your picture afterwards um i think i was only able to sit down i think once or twice and it was only for a minute it was you know, sometimes in the middle of getting my picture taken, I got another call <laughs> to go up on the stage. So, so it was, 
it was it was crazy it was it was just uh it was pretty cool especially you know then getting your name called uh, you know with all the uh you know some of the big uh the who's a who of barbecue and you know they're starting to know who you are or you know what you're about and your story so it's it's a, it was a cool way to get our name out there and you know and people to understand who we are and our you know our mission which is the most important thing Describe that feeling of of being there at the awards, where they're reading out names, as you mentioned, big names like Tuffy Stone for the for the uh, for the award for his book, and they're calling out your name as well. What's describe that feeling of of having your name called out in that in that caliber? You know, it's 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 pretty surreal. Um, you know, when I when I started barbecuing, I've only been barbecuing for uh, about four years now. So I'm pretty new. And, uh, like seeing like for me, my, uh, you know, Tuffy stone is the, you know, for me is the, the big time in the barbecue world. So, um, you know, then hearing your, you know, hearing his name and then hearing, you know, a lot of other people's names. And then all of a sudden you hear, you hear your own name called within the same, you know, within the hour of everybody else and kind of like in the same, you know, arena, it's uh it's pretty crazy it's it's very humbling and you i guess you kind of realize everything that's you know what you're doing is actually you know i guess what you're supposed to be doing and it's it's very humbling and it's awesome it's just it's just a crazy feeling even thinking about it right now is it's pretty it's pretty it's over the top yeah it must have been wild absolutely wild so, mate, let's go back to the start then. Let's let's go back to where it all began. What were you doing before opening Veterans Q? You know, actually, Veterans Q right now is still, it's a side hobby for me. It's not even a full-time job for me. So before opening um, or starting Veterans Q, I, and I still do, I currently work for the uh, the United States government in the, um, we call it the Department of Labor. So I still work for the government full time, um, and I am in the immigration side of the Department of Labor, and I help farmers find uh, American workers. And then if American, we can't find any American workers for them, we help them find uh, foreign uh, foreign workers. So um, and give them visas, temporary visas. So that's what I did before barbecue, and I still do that. My nine to five, Monday through Friday, is working for the the federal government here in the United States, and then I run barbecue sauce uh, and rubs on the on the weekends and at nighttime. Wow! So you're like a super busy guy. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm pretty busy. It's starting to get a little a little overwhelming now since we're starting to, you know, now especially barbecue season's picking up and we're starting to get our product out there a lot more and our orders are coming in a lot, you know, closer together. So it's getting, it's getting pretty crazy. So what's the connection to, to veterans then? So what I, uh, for veterans, I actually was in the, uh, the army from, um, 2002 until 2010. And then I was in Iraq from the end of, 2003 and got home at the beginning of 2005. So for me, I've always been, uh, you know, since I've been in the military, I grew up as a military brat. My, my dad was in the military. 
my both of my brothers were in the military so i it was uh and i was the last one to join so it was kind of like something i wanted to see if i could even do and I, if i could pass you know basic training type stuff and so i i've been in the you know been in the whole you know i guess in the whole military arena since i was born and and then uh when i joined i was i started uh being really you know getting into like the whole teamwork of uh the military and I love the whole atmosphere of it. And so when I came back from Iraq, I started volunteering for um, various veterans organizations here. And uh, that was a big passion of mine. So when um, I started barbecuing, I just, uh, my team name, I did a competition. And that's how it started. And I didn't know what, um, you know, what kind of team name I had to pick. And I, it was really quick. I had literally probably 20 minutes before the uh, mailman came and oh, picked wow. up my application. So I came up with the name veterans since I was a veteran. My brother who was on our barbecue team was a veteran. And uh, we actually took the, the, the letter Q from Tuffy Stone from his, uh, his logo. So that's how we came up with veterans Q and our little tie of it. Oh, very cool. Very cool. And so how did you make that jump then from competitive barbecue into commercial rubs and sauces so what happened um i was very naive when it came to barbecue competitions i thought when you were doing barbecue competitions i thought you had to um make your own sauces and rubs so when i i I, yeah it was uh pretty crazy now that i know about it you could buy other people's stuff and things would have been a lot different for sure I'm only laughing because at my first competition, I did exactly the same thing. I read the rules and it said, <laughs> it, it said all food must be prepared on site. So I brought saucepans and fresh fruit and all the sugars and spices and everything. And I, I did exactly the same thing. I made all my rubs and all my sauces from scratch on the site. <laughs> oh, man, we are, we are so crazy. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, that's exactly what it was too. So I didn't know because I literally bought my my first smoker, the pit barrel, um, in April of actually 2015. I made a couple of meals and I said, "Hey, this stuff is good. I'm I'm the best at barbecue. I can compete with the guys on TV. Why not?" You know, being naive, and uh, started making the rubs and signed up for a competition within like two months of me just barbecue in the backyard. And so that's how I started doing. It. I made a I, I did a rib competition and chicken competition. And so I made the uh, chicken rib um, rub and just went on the internet and Googled how to, you know, Googled about 10 different recipes or so. And I took the most common ingredients from them and, and kind of went from there as my base and went back and forth with uh, my neighbors and, you know, family and friends. And that's how we came up with the rub and the sauce. So it was actually a pretty short process for me. Yeah, very quick by the sounds of that. And so how long then did it take you to get into um, uh, production? Um, you know, I have, for me, I my I think my story is a lot different than everybody else. Everyone I've talked to um, or I hear about, they've taken years or they've taken their, their grandparents' recipe and they, you know, did stuff with it. For me, it's actually been very, very different and very smooth. Um so I literally made my rubs and sauces the summer of 15 and we started selling them um, 
because in the following summertime, we started doing a little bit of catering for, you know, friends and families for like their little backyard parties. And from that, people actually actually started asking for our barbecue sauce where they could make it or where they could buy it. And so I just started making it in our kitchen. And um, within eight months, we actually um, we started getting, you know, I was selling it on Facebook. And within uh, eight months, we had a couple stores call us up and actually asked for our uh, barbecue sauce to be sold in their stores because they liked our whole mission of, because um, what we do as a company, we donate all of our profits back to veteran organizations. So um, wow. people were liking our barbecue sauce and they liked our mission. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic mission. I didn't actually realize that. That's, that's very, um, very, uh, community focused and um and very charitable of course yeah yeah so it was actually you know everything was everything so far me so far for me and the the whole barbecue game has actually been kind of like the i'm winging it or on you know kind of flying off the seat of my pants and i'm just doing everything kind of i don't know anything of the you know i i'm just i now i know what's going on in the whole barbecue world and starting to learn a lot more but beginning of it i didn't know and um, I didn't know anything about business and I just, you know, I really liked uh, barbecuing and when we won our, um, you know, from competitions, we did pretty good in our amateur side. We, you know, we won within our, I think our third competition we won. And so we got a, um, we won a few hundred dollars and um, we mean, I was like, Hey, you know, I let's like, I like the barbecue, you know, it's nice to win the money and, you know, pay it back, but let's go ahead and just donate the money to veteran organizations that we like. So, um, that's kind of, kind of, it kind of was an accident. We just started donating money that we won from competitions. And when we started catering, we were like, Hey, it's only a couple hundred bucks. It's not the end of the world. And we didn't, you know, we didn't plan on doing, you know, a whole lot of competitions. We didn't plan on doing a lot of uh, catering. So we were like, Hey, let's just go ahead. And if we could donate, you know, 500 bucks a year, that'd be awesome. And then when the barbecue sauce came around and the barbecue rubs, um, I decided to go ahead and do the exact same thing with our barbecue sauces and rubs. I figured that, you know, we would sell, I, I made it a big order about a seven. After I started doing my, my kitchen, I figured, Hey, I'm getting kind of tired of making it in the kitchen. It's taking a lot of time, um, you know, away from my family. I, I coach and I do other stuff and whatnot. And so I just went to a manufacturer, had to make up 700 or so bottles and uh, I figured it would take about two, three years to sell out 700 bottles. And, you know, we would be able to donate a couple hundred dollars from our barbecue sauce, um, the veterans. So it was kind of a cool hobby, something cool for my family to, you know, be part of and, and whatnot. And all of a sudden we were sold out of everything within a couple of months. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a... I think my story, I think my little thing is a little bit different than it seems like than most people. It's kind of, it's been very, very fast paced and, you know, it's been, it's very, been very, very fast paced is all I could really say. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that like when you answer the phone and the guys on the other end of the phone, he goes, yeah, g'day, this is Ken, the purchasing manager from Walmart. We'd like to talk to you about buying some of your sources when so so like they're approaching you what was that like it'd be it'd be great if walmart did that to me but they, but yeah i know what you're talking about but yeah it was crazy so when i when uh, the first store called me up and 
said, hey, we see you on the internet. We see you on Facebook and what you're doing. Um, we would really like the, you know, for you to come out here and maybe um, we could like to try some samples and, you know, do something like that. And it was like, wow, this is kind of crazy. It's, you know, somebody's, you know, actually on the internet and seeing what we're doing and recognize what we're doing and they want our stuff. So it was kind of weird. I'm like, well, why would you want mine over, you know, all the big guys out there now? And then, uh, it's just, for some reason it started selling. And then I was like, Hey, I, this is pretty easy. It's a lot easier to sell it to a grocery store who will buy a lot more at a time. So I just started going to grocery store to grocery store and it, it, everyone, you know, I didn't even, you know, everyone just started not, you know, I still get told no a lot, but a lot of people were just saying, Hey, yeah, bring it onto our shelves. Let's see how it goes for a year or let's try it out for, you know, three months and see what happens. And it's got to be heaps better selling it in bulk to a grocery store than, you know, having the local police sitting out the front of your house because there's a constant stream of cars pulling up and people getting out and walking into your house for two minutes and walking out with their pockets full of something and getting in the car and driving <laughs> away again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so it's it definitely is. I like, I enjoy selling it to uh, grocery stores a lot better, but um, I really like selling online that's actually what i really like because it, i feel like it's more uh, personable and i'm able to get because i i do all the orders myself i ship all the orders myself i box all the product oh wow so i'm able to see where it, yeah so i'm able to see where it comes from i i recognize names who order multiple times so it's uh and then when i see them um you know i kind of like see well they're i can see them interact on social media and then all of a sudden i see their order in the um you know, online or if I see someone from like, you know, for example, like the podcast and then all of a sudden I see a different part of the country or a different part of the world ordering something. It's, you know, I really enjoy that the most because I get that more personable feeling. So, um, but grocery stores, I think is where for my own, my personal, my bread and butter is at. Yeah, no doubt. So what's been the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome? The biggest challenge for me is, having not knowing the business or the industry, um, you know, being very new and not knowing anything, <clears throat> excuse me, not knowing anything. That's been my biggest challenge. I'm ignorance has been my biggest, uh, my biggest downfall so far and not knowing. So the rapid growth has kind of been a blessing and a curse then. Exactly. It's been a, it's been a great blessing, but you're right. It's been a curse too on certain things. So, Last year, we, we exploded ridiculous amounts. Um, so this year, I wanted to take it back just a little bit. I didn't want to try to push it as much trying to get into other grocery stores um, as big and as fast as last year, just so I could try to get an understanding and a handling on how to, uh, how to actually do this whole you know barbecue game in the grocery stores. And I wanted to be able to go out to the grocery stores a lot more and uh, do sampling and talk to the people instead of just, you know, going to a store and just hoping that someone will pick it up over another bottle of barbecue sauce or another seasoning company over, you know, I think you have to have your, you know, they call like boots on the ground and the grind. I want to, I want to grind a little bit this year. So we've recently, we've been in, we got into a, a number of new stores this year, but it's not like the hundreds like we did last year. Mm. Have you maintained those hundreds from last year though? Yes, actually, we've we've 
um, only been dropped from two stores um, so far since we've been created. And uh, those actually been priced out. So those stores that we were at, they, we were no longer, um, they were no longer able to compete. So, you know, obviously when we sell to a mom and pop store, you sell a little bit higher because they buy less quantity than you would a grocery store. So when a grocery store is buying by the pallet, we sell a little bit cheaper to them. Well, they were able to uh, out, you know, they're not able to, you know, a mom and pop, unfortunately, is not able to sell a bottle of sauce for us for $7 a bottle when the grocery store down the street selling it for $4 a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Very, it's very tough for them. So unfortunately it's tough for them for the mom and pop businesses, but I, I love being with mom and pop businesses just because it's, you know, I like being in the small, the small, the small business and um, getting that more personable one-on-one time. Well, that's where all the heart and soul is, isn't it? Definitely. Definitely. It's like barbecue. Barbecue is all about heart and soul and family and, you know, the good old times. And you don't have to worry about all that, you know, the corporate, the corporate junk. Oh yeah. Corporate junk. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think has been the highlight for you so far? The highlight for me so far is uh, seeing my kids. My kids are crazy excited for it they they love the whole entire um you know what we're doing with our barbecue sauce and what we're doing and so seeing my family excited you know and excited for what we're doing and and also when i'm able to go ahead and write a check to um, a charity that i believe in who does good work for veterans those are the two biggest highlights for me but hands down yeah knowing that all that that hard work is going to to do such a, such wider, greater good has to be a, has to be a really good feeling at the end of the day. Exactly. It is. It's, it's awesome. And it's a, a good learning experience for my family. So when they, when they actually see the end result of, you know, we're able to write a check to an organization, they see the, you know, Hey, why are, you know, they see me gone for, you know, a day or they see me only for a few hours on the weekends, you know, they see at the end where all the, you know, why I'm doing it and where I'm doing it for. That's a priceless lesson for kids, mate. Absolutely. 100, 100, 100 extra dad points for you, mate. <laughs> Thanks. You got to be that super dad, you know? Mate, you've got the coffee mug. Now you got to live up to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what's coming up in the future for Veterans Q? Um, for the future, we're actually... In the middle, we're actually, I'm actually trying to come out with a, um, a whole new line of products. We're, uh, we're coming up with something that we're going to come out. Our goal is, uh, I should say, as of right now, we actually have two sauces in our uh, production phase right now with the manufacturers to, um, to try to get it right. Um, so we're going right now back and forth. We have two brand new sauces coming out. Um, I'm hoping it will be out this year, but. I don't see that happening, but we're going to have a, uh, a mustard sauce coming out. And we actually um, have a whiskey sauce coming out. So um, that's actually going to be the newest thing. But we're also, Veterans Q is also coming out with a whole new line of barbecue sauces and condiments and rubs that are geared um, to uh, certain people. We've got to kind of keep that secret right now. 
but um i'm hoping that actually comes up you know next year also so it could be a a whole new game changer for us that's very mysterious man you've definitely piqued my interest <laughs> thanks i'm hoping it's uh we're actually i'm trying to do things a little bit different this time so like before i just kind of winged it and and you know threw some ingredients together and have people taste it out you know and get their feedback and this time we actually uh i'm actually this one's a little bit more in-depth and stuff i have no idea about so uh i'm actually doing some consulting work with uh or not i'm not consulting but i'm actually consulting with uh people in the arena and um, we're trying to actually come together and, um, you know, we're going to do a collaboration with uh, certain certain groups and certain people. And, you know, hopefully we're able to get it all down packed. And I, and I think uh, once we do, it's going to be something even bigger. This is Grant from The Smoking Joint, and I listen to Smoking Hot Confessions. If you want good barbecue, you need good charcoal. And when it comes to charcoal, the denser the wood, the better the charcoal. This is where Dragon's Breath Charcoal comes in. It's made from Australian native Gigi, famous for being the third most dense wood in the world, which means you're going to get 100% quality 100% of the time. The manufacturer of Dragon's Breath Charcoal was founded in 2005 and is the largest charcoal manufacturer in Queensland. A company founded in firm principles and values, the manufacturers of Dragon's Breath seek out opportunities to serve the community, starting with their work in the environmental restoration of Southwest Queensland sheep and cattle stations. Over the years, they've developed dietary charcoal products for livestock and horses and pets. And now there's garden and agricultural soil products that help keep moisture in the soil while it takes CO2 out of the atmosphere. Dragon's Breath Charcoal will be launching on Amazon in October, so stay tuned for more info soon. Alrighty, Steve, we're into segment two now. So now we're going to take a deep dive into the world of rub and source development and manufacturing. So let's say I've got an idea for a rub or a source. How do I know when I've got a rub or source recipe that's worth pursuing? I think when you have a sauce or a rub ready to go, I, I want to say for me, it was kind of a, a gut instinct. So I would have, when I was doing my, creation of sauces and rubs I have my friends and neighbors and sometimes I just have people that are, you know I kind of run across and have them taste taste the product so when you uh I think when everyone says it's good or it's right where you have it they don't need to add anything so I'm I think that's when you have that product where you're able to 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 actually you know maybe sell, start selling it so I think it's uh, you kind of have a gut feeling and something that you're happy with. I think when you have a product and if you're not 100% behind it, I think you got to keep tweaking it until you are 100% behind what you have and, and what you can stand for and put your name on. It's kind of a generic answer, but I think you kind of a, mostly a gut feeling, you know, and you get a lot of good feedback from everybody. So how wide a base should you be looking for for that feedback? Like is it just your wife and kids or – up and down the street or various people at work or everybody, like all of the above? Uh, all of the above. So I have, I think it's very important when you have a product, you don't want to have 
um, you know, like the yes, the yes people, the yes, sir, yes, ma'am type people. You want people who will tell you straight up, um, you know, tell you, hey, this is not good. This is good. This is gross. This is not, you know, you want people to tell you exactly how it is. You, I think you want people who are very blunt because you don't want the person. I do. And I run across people who sometimes will tell you, oh, this is good. This is not good. Or, you know, hey, this is great. This is the best I've ever had. Those are the people that aren't giving you good feedback, in my opinion, because they're not telling you exactly what they like or don't like. Granted, someone's not, not everyone's going to like your product. Not, you know, you're always going to have people who don't like it, no matter what. And that's where you kind of have to do, like, you know, the dance around. And, you know, you kind of want to, that's why I try, I try to go to everybody. I try to get my friends, my family members. Um, I try to get even people on the, when I go to barbecue competitions, I'll bring um, a new sauce and say, hey, can you try this? And, um, you know, random people. So um, I was just actually at a, a friend's party over the weekend and I brought uh, my new bottles of barbecue sauces that we're in the production with or the sampling stages. And I didn't know most of the people there and I put them out there and I told people to, you know, tell me exactly what you thought about the sauce, if you liked it or don't like it and what you think should change. And so I, I like to get the whole, the whole gamut of people and I kind of figure out what everyone is saying, what they need to change and try to come up with the most, uh, you know, common changes. And uh, that's where I kind of go from there. So I think you have to have the, the wide range and you have to surround yourself with people who aren't always going to say this is the best, the yes sir, yes ma'am type people. So you're after constructive criticism, not necessarily just positive feedback. Exactly. I think, uh, yeah, because when you're trying to sell a product and you're trying to be the best at it, if you have someone, you know, if you don't have any criticism and telling you how to get better, if someone's just telling you how great you are, you're never going to, you know, realize, you know, you might have a piece of junk. You don't want people to hurt your, you know, someone might not be trying to hurt your feelings, but you don't want to spend all your money into a product that's not good. Now, that's an interesting point, hurting your feelings. To do something like that, you're going to have to have a bit of a thick skin, aren't you? Definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think, uh, in a, lot of, I think a lot of people are, you know, are good-natured and, and they don't want to hurt your feelings. So a lot, you know, some people will say, hey, this is, you know, this is the best or this is good. Well, unfortunately, you know, I, I think you have to have people telling you, hey, this is gross or this needs to change or I don't like this. You, you have to have a bit of a a thick skin for sure, because you got to remember, not everyone's going to like your product, no matter what, even though you might think it's the best ever, there's a lot of people who aren't going to like it. So you, and you're going to hear no a lot and you're going to hear it. So it's, it's a, you're definitely have a thick skin and, but you got to know it always comes out of, you know, it's always good in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've got your recipe, you've got your feedback, you've refined your recipe you're ready to go into production. What, what's the process of going into production that you need to go through? So for me, what I did, I did a couple different things. So I, I, you know, get all my stuff together. I figured out what I needed, you know, how I like my sauce. Everything was great. So I reached out to a, a co-packer who would make, who makes sauces um, and rubs and went to them and said, Hey, I would like the, I'm interested in, you know, getting my, you know, my sauce or my rubs manufactured. Can, can you kind of go through the process with that, with me with that? It's my first time. 
So the manufacturer I picked was is very nice. They're very they're kind of a they walk you through everything. They had good communication, and so I they I basically sent them. Um, you had to fill out forms like non disclosures and um, and whatnot, and uh, you so you send them their recipe. The manufacturer will go ahead and um, come up with your recipe. Um, you use the same brand name. So if you're using, you know, Heinz ketchup or if you're using Heinz tomato paste or whatever, you um, put all that down and they go ahead and manufacture to exactly how you said it. And uh, and they're hoping that they could replicate the same way because when you start cooking on your home, you know, your uh, stove, it's a lot different when you're starting to make, you know, 500 gallons at a time, you know, or, or more. So you kind of go through the process and the manufacturer will make the samples, they'll send them to you. Um, and then you kind of go back and forth with your manufacturer and saying, Hey, I, I don't like this, or I think, Hey, it needs to be this. And, you know, you kind of go back and forth and, and then you get your products. Sometimes just because you make a product at home and you could do it that way, doesn't mean that you could scale it up to, uh, you know, to the gallons, um, you know, the hundreds of gallons at a time, or if it's even cost effective. That's an interesting lesson that I keep coming across when I talk to people that move from backyard barbecue or competition barbecue up into catering and vending. Um, they all say to me, it's not just a simple process of cooking more. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was just, Hey, if it's, if I, you know, if I use one cup of this, you know, times it by five and then you, you know, and then, you know, that kind of thing. And I thought that's pretty much how easy it is, but, you know, me cooking it on the stove is a lot different. Um, the manufacturer might cook it on, you know, I'm, I don't know how they cook it, but maybe they cook it with, you know, steam instead, or they cook it in a big, you know, copper pot maybe, and maybe that affects it. So I, I learned that you just because you do it at home doesn't mean that, that someone else could replicate it on a grander scale. Yeah, I'd never thought about that, the, the difference between whether they cook it in copper or stainless or, but yeah, that, that would definitely make a difference. Yeah, I, I think so. So there's been times where we've had to, um, you know, change it up a few times to get it, to get what we wanted out of it. So we've uh, we've even changed some ingredients from what I cook at home to what we use at the manufacturer to get it where we are. So uh, we've had to change stuff and you just got to, you know, you know, you want to maintain the integrity of your product, but you also want it to taste right. And for us, I wanted to be all natural. I didn't want to have any of the, you know, the big words and the junk food in it. So um, we just kind of had to kind of go from there. And for the most part, everything I've had so far has been pretty easy process. There's been uh, a few changes here and there, but nothing crazy. Have you ever tried going the other way? So you give them the recipe, they cook it, you then have to tweak it, and then you try and cook it at home using the tweaks that you've given them? Does that make sense or did I just totally confuse everything? <laughs> no, no, no. That makes plenty of sense. I've never tried that before. Um, I honestly, I've never even thought about it. <laughs> so, no, I've never tried it on, you know, cooking it different. I mean, I guess it's a good experience for sure to see how it would go or see how it tastes. I never, I never thought about it, honestly. Yeah, it was just a thought that just flashed through my, through my little peanut-sized brain then, so... <laughs> so I guess then once you've got it from the manufacturer and it's in the bottles, the next step would be labeling. So 
how do you go about designing and coming up with a winning design? So to me, labeling was as important as the barbecue sauce, if not more important. Wow. Because for me, it was a big deal. I, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's how it should be or not, but to me, labeling was a big deal. So when I was, when I was first starting to do my labels, um, I did, had no idea what I was even going to try to do. So I went to the grocery stores. I went to about five or six different grocery stores and I went into the barbecue sauce aisle and I took pictures of the aisles of each one. I kind of took pictures of all the different sections um, of the whole entire thing. I took close-ups. I took, um, you know, far away shots. And when I was looking through um, and reviewing all the different pictures and trying to see exactly everything, what stood out to me is most barbecue sauce companies that are on the shelves at grocery stores are, have brown or they have dark labels. And when I was looking at all the pictures, only thing that was popping to me was um, the white labels from Sweet Baby Ray's. So I wanted to, you know, there's a million barbecue sauces out there. How can I, and I wanted to differentiate myself from everybody else. I wanted to be able to see how can I make my bottle of barbecue sauce stand out from everybody else's. And from those pictures, I only saw white labels from Sweet Baby Ray standing out. And so I, and I, right away I said, Hey, I have to have a white label or a bright label just because I don't want to be like everybody else. So that's actually how we came up with having a white label. Um, so then, uh, and then from there, we were looking at all the different barbecue sauces and, um, you know, you see all the, you know, cool designs on some of them, but I wanted to have a really generic feel to a barbecue sauce. I wanted to be something that wouldn't offend anybody, you know, here or there. And I wanted to be very uh, generic in per se and, so that's kind of how we did. That's how I went across with my bottle, of my, my labeling. I wanted to go with a, a, something bright that stood out, and and I wanted a generic label, so um, it was kind of like it would stand the test of time. So I wouldn't have something you know crazy, and you know I wanted to be able to have the same label you know from from today and you know 50 years from now. Yeah, no doubt. You don't want to put all that work in and then uh, and then have to change it again so soon. So you you. It is really important to get that long-standing design. So, once you decided on the color, did you then go to a graphic designer, or did you uh, pen it all out yourself? No, actually, um, I went to a graphic designer and um, someone I I knew, and I just kind of told them exactly what I wanted. I kind of told them, "Hey, I wanted a generic uh, a style, and I like this." Um, so what the, the graphic designer actually was a person who created our, uh, our logo for our barbecue team, which is also called veterans Q. And I kind of took part of the design and said, Hey, I want this to be actual, our main logo now. And you know, this one little section of it. And I just want it to be a, a kind of a generic label. And I want it to be very simple and, and very clean. And, um, she went ahead and did everything and, um, you know, gave me, a few different designs and um, you know, we kind of went back and forth a little bit and we had a label created um, probably within about four or five months. Oh, wow. Yeah. If, if that, it might only have been three months at the most. So it was pretty quick. It was only a few changes here and there. And 
we got it where we wanted. And I, same thing. I went with my label and I went around to people and said, Hey, what do you think about this label? You know, do you like it or don't like it? And then, you know, and kind of got feedback from there too. Very good idea. And I like that you use the same graphic designer as your logo. So then it all sort of is seamless. You've got a, you've got a unified theme across your, across all your, um, your signage. Correct. Yeah. I, I use the same graphic designer, um, from the very beginning and I still use, uh, still use her today. And yeah, exactly. When we went with our barbecue sauce, cause that's what we came out with first and we had that logo. And then when we started doing designing for our, our rubs, I said, Hey, I want it to be a little bit different, but I want it to be the same, every, you know, the same type of style, but I want it just to be a little bit different. So it's nothing too crazy because, to me, it's about brand recognition, um, being a no, you know, a small company and how can I get people to understand who we are? I want to, uh, you know, I want our logo to be like the McDonald's of barbecue. You know, we want to be someone where they recognize our brand. They know who we are. And, you know, once you, I think once you build a brand and a reputation, then you're able to, you know, start going from there. Yeah. You can then start leveraging that into other opportunities. Exactly. Look at all the other the other big wigs in the barbecue game, like, you know, like meat church, he's able to, you know, he has his name and his brand and, you know, you go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So we already know that, that it was, um, I won't say easy, but it was probably easier for you than other people to get your rubs and sauces onto the store shelves. But for people that don't have the stores chasing them, what would they need to do to get into those stores? I think, uh, I think what you have to do is, is you have to actually hustle and grind. So at the beginning, we were able to have a few, we still have a few stores here and there that want to, you know, want us to come into them. But, um, every single week I'm out there hustling. I'm out there grinding. I'm, I'm making cold calls. I'm calling around the different, uh, you know, stores to try to get in there for interviews, for meetings, for sampling, um, you know, that kind of thing. So I think if you're trying to get into the, the whole barbecue sauce and barbecue, um, you know, the world, no matter what product it is, I think, uh, you have to just get out there and put your boots on the ground and start grinding and start doing all the legwork and not waiting for someone to come to you. You have to go to them and, you know, and, and just keep pushing and, you know, you're going to hear no a lot. You're going to hear it a lot, a lot of times, but you just gotta, you know, kind of move on and, and learn from all your mistakes. You know, when you're with somebody, they'll, they'll ask you some, a question and that you have no idea what the answer is. And then you get home, look up the answer, get it, and then go bring it to the next person you have to, and just keep doing it that way and hustling. And just refining that hustle. Exactly. I'm a, I'm a big fan of a, a guy here in America called Gary V and, and uh, you know, he's all about the hustle and the grind. And I think that's what you have to do to be successful. Yep. Yep. Boots on the pavement, knocking down doors. Exactly. So what's the hardest thing then about going pro with rubs and sauces? Now, now looking back at it, back in the day, I didn't think anything because I didn't, you know, I was so uh, oblivious to the whole world. But now I think the hardest thing is being one of a million different people out there doing the same exact thing as you. Um, the hardest thing is, how are you going to, you know, be different than somebody else? Why would someone grab your bottle of barbecue sauce or your, or your rub over somebody else who's already in this grocery store who they've been using for years already? 
So I think that's the hardest thing in the whole barbecue world is, you know, how are you going to differentiate yourself from somebody else? And why are they going to choose you over another company? It's a brand differentiation. Definitely. So for us, it's actually pretty good. I mean, you know, our story, which helps out a lot, um, a lot of people will pick it up and will at least stop and try it just because of, uh, you know, what we're doing in our mission. Um, you know, that was a happy accident for us, but, um, you know, not everyone has that same story. So it's, you know, you got to figure out what is, what is your market? What is your, you know, you know, who are you trying to cater to and, you know, how are you going to make yourself, you know, why your company, why your product over somebody else? So you definitely have to, you know, figure that answer out and hopefully tell the world. So what are some unexpected curveballs that have been thrown your way? The unexpected curveballs are definitely the cost of everything. I had no idea how much money it costs to actually put a product in in the stores or get it made and all the little things that you got to pay for. I didn't realize, you know, when you do a, when you're in a grocery store, you know, it costs money to put your product on a, on the shelf. Um, also when you put a product on sale, I thought that when you, when a store takes your product, they buy it up front and they could do whatever they want with it. I didn't realize when a product puts it on sale, say a dollar off, you have to pay that difference when the, the sell price. So I thought, I thought that was it. So, you know, all the little, the little nickel and dime fees that, that grocery stores have and, you know, and the, the cost of just having a company, that's, that's the biggest for me. Biggest surprise for sure. Wow. So when a supermarket has like a 50% off sale, that's the 50% that would be going to you. Correct. So like we, uh, you split it. So, yeah, so if they it's a dollar off, I have to, um, and then say they sell a thousand bottles, the grocery store will send me a bill for fifty cents of every bottle. So I'll get a bill for the, um, you know, the five hundred dollars, and then they get a they they eat the other five hundred dollars. So you split the difference. Oh wow! So I had I had no idea that until until this. So. You know, which is good, but you have to have a lot of sales at grocery stores because, once again, why is somebody going to pick up, you know, spend $4 on your bottle of barbecue sauce when they could pick up a bottle of Sweet Baby Ray's for, you know, a dollar, dollar fifty here? Oh, I'm, that would be magic. Sweet Baby Ray's is like eight, nine, ten, twelve dollars over here. <laughs> Everything's more expensive over there. Oh, it is. It, it's ridiculous. So what's been the easiest part of the process for you then? For me, the easiest process, process for me is, it, you know, this sounds kind of, I, I guess, um, I don't know, I guess naive, but for me, the, the easiest process is actually coming up with the product. For some reason, every single product we have, um, I was able to make all within, you know, a couple months or a couple tries. I don't think I've, for me personally, I've been very fortunate um, and I've only had to spend, I, I think my barbecue sauce was the biggest, uh, the hardest one for me. And I've only had, a, it only had to take me, I think six or eight different tries before I got it to where I wanted. it. So I've been very fortunate on how quick and, and I've been able to make recipes without even realizing it. 
yeah, I'm a bit jealous on that. I've been working on some of my recipes for about four or five years now. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone I talk to, they've been spending, you know, you know, just crazy amount of time on the products, and it's which is which is great. But for some reason, maybe for me, I'm just not a maybe I'm just not really crazy picky, you know, with it or you know, one little change, you know, for me. But for some reason, I don't know what it is. I'm able to. I'm able to uh, get all the products out there pretty fast. And I also keep everything very simple. I think, I think keeping something simple is the best way to go in my opinion on, uh, on products and sauces and rubs. Sounds like you definitely have a gift, mate. So what would be your top three tips for people like myself looking to get into rubs, sauces or both? Um, I think uh, the biggest tips are if you get into it, be be ready to hear the word no. I think you're going to hear no a lot from everybody. Um, definitely, you know, get that thick skin so you you know you're not going to be too worried about it. But you're going to hear no from a lot of people, um, which is a good thing. Um, another, uh, the second thing I would say is try to figure out who you are and what your company is. Trying to figure out how you're going to stand out into the crowd amongst the millions of other people out there. Why would someone choose you over somebody else? And then um, I think the the third thing is have a great product. So you might have a good story. You might have, um, you know, whatever. But if you don't have a good product, people aren't going to come back and buy your, you know, and buy your product from you over and over again. So that's the key. You could always put a bottle of sauce in somebody's hand, but can you get them to keep coming back and buying more and more? So that's the, that's when you have to have a good product. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. If you've ever traced the history of real barbecue in Australia, you will have come across Ranch Hand. Owner Cliff founded the company in 2010, mixing and selling barbecue rubs before most of us knew what barbecue rubs even were. In short, Cliff is an OG of the Australian barbecue scene. An American expat, Cliff is single-minded in his goal to deliver traditional southern recipes with fresh Aussie ingredients. And those recipes? They're secret family recipes dating back to the 1960s. The range of products is broad with something for everyone from the backyard grill master to competitive pit masters. Some of these delicious rubs include the Midnight Magic Rub, the Better Off Red Beetroot Rub, and the Wild and Woolly Lamb and Game Rub. I got to taste the Midnight Magic Rub at a competition recently, and I gotta say, it's very, very good. So if you're looking for a barbecue rub that will wow family and friends as well as barbecue judges, do yourself a favor and head on over to ranchhand.com.au. That's ranchhand.com.au. Okay, Steve, that brings us to the lightning round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick questions and you're going to give me 10 one-word or one-sentence answers. How does that sound? Perfect. I'm ready. All right, let's hit it. Brisket, fat side up or down? Down. Chicken, breast, wings or thighs? Wings, hands down, are the best. (laughs) Me too. Pork ribs, St. Louis, baby back or spare? St. Louis is the best way for me. Now, sauces, on the meat or on the side? On the side only. Sauce covers up good flavor of beef. You want it to accentuate the flavor or add to it. 
Interesting. So what is that because you prescribe to a particular style of barbecue or is that just the way you like it? The way I like it, actually, I think I, <laughs> I know it's a, not a short fire answer, but I think barbecue is about how you cook it and how you have the seasonings. I think seasonings are more important than sauce and the way you cook it and what would you use and, and your method. And I think sauce is there just to enhance the flavor of the meat, just to give it a little extra, a little extra something. I don't think, I think if you have a barbecue that's drowned in and barbecue sauce, I think you're not a very good cook or you're hiding something. Well said. All right. Money muscle, fantastic or overrated? Overrated. Ooh, all right. What's your nemesis cut? So the hardest thing for you to cook? Money muscle. <laughs> I'm seeing a correlation. <laughs> Yeah, that's why it's overrated. <laughs> what's <laughs> what's one tip or trick you wish you'd known sooner? Um, having good quality ingredients and good quality um, devices like the thermometer. The future. What do you think is going to be the next trend in barbecue? I think the biggest thing in barbecue is going to be healthy alternatives to barbecue. Ooh, alternatives to healthy alternatives to barbecue. Interesting. All right, pellet grills in competitions, yay or nay? Yes. And if there were a fantasy barbecue league, who would you choose for your team? Definitely for me, Tuffy Stone would be number one. And uh, I would say um, my boys here in Chicago, my good guys crew, Hatfield McCoy, uh, Ace of Diamonds, and Chanadilly Barbecue Team. Sounds like a killer team, mate. I'd love to meet those fellas. The best. The best. <laughs> well, mate, that's a wrap for this episode. So before I let you go, I'm going to throw the studio over to you. It's The floor is all yours. Give some shout-outs to whoever you'd like and, of course, tell everybody where they can track you down online and where they can order some of your delicious international award-winning rubs and sauces. Definitely. You could uh, find out more about um, who Veterans Q is, what our mission is, who do, we, uh, who do we support, and what we're all about at veteransq.com. That's V E T E R A N S, the letter Q.com. And uh, you can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and um, Twitter at the same, at all those, uh, at Veterans Q. And, uh, Hopefully, if anyone's out there in, in uh, Australia, we have a, we send a few products overseas, but we would love to be able to get a distributor or uh, get into a lot of the stores there. So if you're more than willing to bring us over uh, to Australia, I would love to be there because I think Australia is the place to be for barbecue now. It is definitely, if you'll pardon the pun, hotting up down here right now. Definitely. <laughs> Well, mate, look, thank you very much for your time. You've been a great guest on the show. I want to say thanks for being on board. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you for your service. And most of all, thank you for the service that you offer to the other servicemen and women out there, mate. I really think you're doing a great thing for the wider community as a whole. And from the whole Smoking Hot Confessions team, I just want to say thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on. And thanks to everybody out there. And there you have it, family. So much goodness is happening in this episode. Steve works so hard to support not just his immediate family, but his extended family of fellow servicemen and women. And it is great to see that work getting rewarded. 
Much thanks have to go to him for getting up so early in the morning to be part of the show. Before I let you go, I want to remind you about our killer merch lineup, the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook, and if you have a minute, it'd really help me out if you could subscribe, rate, and review the show. The ratings and reviews trigger the algorithms and make Apple distribute the podcast further and wider, so they are really important and very much appreciated. And that's the end of the show. Till next time, take care of each other and keep on cue. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>